Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. You know what? That's it. I don't like waking up early anymore. I wake up at 5.30. She wakes up at 6. That's not true, actually. My alarm's been going off since 5. I've been ignoring it since 5.30. Because <laughs> guess what? You're lazy. Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, no, I just have reached a point in my life. I'm just going you're through. You're just lazy. No, I'm going. No, you're just lazy. I'm going through you're a just phase. Lazy. It doesn't you're make a difference. Lazy. You're just lazy. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm lazy. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the 13th. The end. Chapter 10. What you fell asleep to because you were so lazy last night <laughs> was that. Huh? Bet you really want to know, don't you? No. They're reading it. Well, I'll tell you. Because you, I can see in your eyes you want to know. They I were, do not. I'm they were reading saying... a letter. And he what? recognized the handwriting. Uh-huh. Whose was it? The parents. <gasps> no, two people didn't write one letter. What you know what? The... Waking up early has getting to their your mom. head. Yes, their mother. Chapter 10. Ishmael's... the parents. Yeah, but they both didn't write a letter together. It wasn't their parents' handwriting. It was his majaj handwriting, Okay. Chapter 10. Ishmael stepped out of the darkness, running a hand along the shelves of the bookcase and walked slowly towards the Baudelaire orphans. In the dim glow of the flashlight, the children could not tell if the facilitator was smiling or frowning through the wild, wooly beard, and Violet was reminded of something that she'd entirely almost forgotten. Oh, almost entirely forgotten. A long time ago... Before Sonny was born, Violet and Klaus had begun an argument at breakfast over whose turn it was to take out the garbage. It was a silly matter, but one of those certain occasions when people argue are having too much fun to stop, and all day the two siblings wandered around the house doing doing their assigned chores and scarcely speaking to each other. Finally, after a long, silent meal, during which their parents tried to get them to reconcile, a word here which means admit that it didn't matter in the slightest whose turn it was, it only was important to to get the garbage out of the kitchen before the smell spread to the entire mansion. Could you imagine if I was like, Peyton, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is if that garbage odor doesn't spread throughout our mansion. Could you imagine? What a pretentious thing to say. (laughs) Bougie. The Bougie Baudelaire's. That's their new name. Klaus and Sunny Bougie. Yeah. All right. Okay. Violet and Klaus Bouge were sent up to bed without dessert or even five minutes of reading. Suddenly, just as she was dropping off to sleep, Violet had an idea for an invention that meant no one would ever have to take the garbage out again, and she turned the lights on and began to sketch her idea on a pad of paper. I thought she was grounded, but okay. She became so interested in her invention that she didn't listen to the footsteps leading up to the hallway, and so when her mother opened the door, she didn't even have time to turn out the lights and pretend to be asleep. Violet stared at her mother, and her mother stared back, and in the dim light, the eldest bouge 
could not see if her mother was smiling or frowning, if she was angry Violet, uh, angry at Violet for staying up past her bedtime, or if she didn't mind at all. But then the fi- but then finally Violet saw that her mother was carrying a cup of tea. Here you go, dear, she said gently. I know how star anise helps tea helps you think. Violet took the steaming cup of tea from her mom that instant, and she suddenly realized that it had been her turn to take out the garbage after all. Oh. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Ishmael did not offer the Baudelaire orphans any tea. And when he flicked the switch on the... Oh my god, they even have electricity? <laughs> flicked the switch on and lit up the, the secret space underneath the apple tree with electric lights. The children could see that it was ne- he was neither smiling nor frowning. But... Was it a meh face? Oh, meh? Meh. Is, like meh. Meh is... No, it says this. He was not frowning, but exhibiting a strange combination of the two, as if he were as nervous about the Baudelaire's as they were about him. And I know, I knew you'd come here. He said finally, after a long sentence, a long silence. It's in your blood. I've never known a bouge who didn't rock the boat. Remember, bouge is Baudelaire. The bougies felt all of their requests. <laughs> That's the whole chapter. That's what I'm going to do. Questions of their the the bouges felt. All of their questions bump into each of their heads, like frantic sailors deserting the, the sinking ship. What is this place? Violet asked. How did you know about our parents? Why, did, why have you lied to us about so many things? Klaus demanded. Why are you keeping so many secrets? Who are you? Sonny asked. Ishmael took another step closer to the bougies and laid and gazed <laughs> down Sunny, gazed down at Sunny, who gazed back at the facilitator and then stared down at the clay still packed around his feet. Did you know that I used to be a school teacher? He asked. How would they have known that? This, mm, this was many years ago in the city where there are, few ch- there are f- always a few children in my chemistry class who had the same gleam in their eyes that you bougies do. I have, I have, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, those students have always turned out to be the most interesting moments. Wait, oh, those students have always turned into the most interesting assignments. He assigned and sat down one of the reading chairs in the center of the room. They, o- they also always gave me the most trouble. I remember one child in particular who had scraggly hair and just one eyebrow. <gasps> Count Olaf, Violet said. Ishmael frowned and blink- blinked his eyes at the Baudelaire's. No, he said. It was a little girl. She had one eyebrow and thanks to an accident in her grandfather's laboratory, only one ear. Okay. She was an orphan, and she lived with her siblings in a house owned by a terrible woman, a violent drunkard who was famous for having killed a man in his youth with nothing but her bare oh, her okay her bare hands and a very ripe cantaloupe. The cantaloupe was grown on the farm that is no longer in operation, the Lucky Smells Melon Farm, which is owned by Sir Klaus said. Ishmael frowned. No, he said. The farm was owned by two brothers, one of whom later murdered in a, was murdered in a small village where the three innocent children were accused of the crime. Jacques, Sonny said. No. They keep guessing people, and he's like, no. Like, stop guessing. <laughs> yeah. Ishmael said with another frown. There was some argument about his name. Actually, he appeared several times, depending, maybe he's talking about himself, depending on what he was wearing. In any case, this, stu- oh, he was a teacher, I guess not. The student in my class began very suspicious. <sighs> 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 began, 
began to be very suspicious about the tea her guardian would pour for her and she, when she got home from school. Rather than drink it, she would dump it into the houseplant that she had been decor that she had been used for decoration. Decorate a well had been used to decorate a well stylish restaurant with a the fish theme. Cafe Salmonella? No. Oh. <laughs> Ishmael said and frowned once more. The bistro smelt. Of course, my student realized that she couldn't keep feeding the tea to the houseplant, particularly after it was withered away and the houseplant's owner was whisked off to Peru aboard a mysterious ship. The Prospero, Klaus said. Ishmael offered the the youngsters another frown. Yes. (laughs) I know. Yes. (laughs) He said, although at the time the ship was called the Paracles. But my students didn't know that student didn't know that she only wanted to avoid being poisoned. I had an idea that the antidote might be hidden. Yeah, Sunny interrupted her siblings and nodded in agreement. Yeah, it's cute. By yeah, the younger Baudelaire's meant Ishmael's, sto- Ishmael's story is a teenage tale. Oh, is it? Oh my gosh, I can't read. Ishmael's story is a, tang- a tangential, a word here which means answering questions that the other one of the Baudelaire's has asked. We want to know what's going on here on the island at this very moment, Violet said. It's not what's happening in the classroom, not what's happened in this classroom many years ago, but what happened now is what's happening then are part of the same story, Ishmael said. If I don't tell you how I came to prefer tea that is bitter as wormwood, then you wouldn't know how I be- I have a very important conversation with a waiter in Lakeside Town. And if I don't tell you about the conversation, then I then you won't know how I ended up on a certain bathyscape, or how I ended up in a shipwreck here, or how I came to meet your parents, or anything else that contained in this book. He took the heavy volume from Klaus's hands and ran his fingers over the long spine where the long, somewhat wordy title was printed in gold block letters. People have been writing stories in this book since the first castaways have washed washed up on the island and all the stories are connected in one way or another. If you ask one question, it will lead you to another and another and another. It's like peeling an onion. But you can't read every story, every question, Klaus said, even if you like to. Ishmael smiled and tugged at his beard. That's just what your parents told me, he said. When I arrived here, they'd been on the island for a few months, but they'd become the colony's facilitators. And he suggested some new customs. Your father had suggested a few castaway instruction. Workers install some periscope in the tree to search for the storms. And your mother had suggested that the shipwrecked plumber devise a water filtration system so the colony could have fresh water right from the kitchen sink. (sighs) Your parents had begun a library from all the documents that were hiding here and were adding hundreds of stories to the commonplace book. The gourmet meals were served, and your parents had convinced some of the other castaways to expand the underground scape. He gestured along the bookshelf, which disappeared into the darkness. They wanted to dig a passageway that would lead to a marine search center, a rhetorical advice service some miles away. The Baudelaire's exchanged amazed looks. Captain Wittershins had described such a place, and, in fact, the children had spent some desperate hours in the ruined basement. You mean if we walk along the bookcase, Klaus said, we'll reach Anne Whistle Aquatics. 
Ishmael shook his head. The passageway was never finished, he said, and it's a good thing, too. The research center was destroyed in a fire, which might have spread through the passageway and reached the island, and it turned out that a very deadly fungus was contained in that place. I shudder to think what have, might have happened to the medusoid mycelium over if it ever reached these shores. Uh-oh. The Baudelaire's looked at one another again, but said nothing, preferring to keep one of their secrets to keep one of their secrets, even as Ishmael told them some of his own. The story of the Baudelaire children may have connected with Ishmael's story of the spores contained in the diving helmet. Count Olaf was hiding under his gown in the birdcage, which was which he was prisoner, but the siblings saw no reason to volunteer this information. Islanders thought that the passage was wonder a wonderful idea, Ishmael said. Your parents wanted to carry all of the documents that had washed up here to Anne Whistle Aquatics, where she might be sent to a sub-sub librarian who had a secret library. Others wanted to keep the island safe, far from treachery of the world. But by the time I arrived, some islanders wanted immunity, wanted immunity and to abandon your parents on the coastal shelf. The facilitators heaved a great sigh and closed the heavy book in his lap. I walked I walked into the middle of this story, he said, just as you walked into the middle of mine. Some of the islanders have found weapons in the in the detritus, and the situation might have become violent if I hadn't convinced the colony to simply abandon your parents. We allowed them to pack a few books to, into a fishing boat your father had built, and in the morning they left with a few of their comrades as the coastal shelf flooded. They left behind everything that they'd created here. From the periscope that I used to predict the weather to the commonplace book where I continue their research. You drove our parents away? Violet Bougie asked. They, <laughs> they were very sad to go, Ishmael said. Your mother was pregnant with you, Violet. And after all their years at VFD, your parents weren't sure that they wanted their children exposed to the world's treachery. But they didn't understand that if the passageway had, had been completed you would have already been exposed to the world's treachery in any case. Sooner or later, everyone's story has an unfortunate event or two, a schism or a death, a fire or a mutiny, the loss of a home or a destruction of a tea set. The only solution, of course, is to stay far away from the world as possible and lead a safe, simple life. That's why you kept so many items from the others, Klaus said. Well, it depends on how you look at it, Ishmael said. I want this place to be as as safe as possible. So when I come to the island as a facilitator, I suggested some new customs myself. I moved the colony to the other side of the island, and I, and I trained the sheep to drag the weapons away, and then the books and the mechanical devices, so that none of the world's detritus would ever interfere with our safety. I don't know. Who knows? I suggest that we all dress alike and eat the same meals to avoid any future schisms. Joshoji, Sunny said, which meant something like, I don't believe that abridging the freedom of the expression and free exercise there of the proper is to run is the way to run a community. Sonny's right, Violet said. The other islanders couldn't have agreed with these new customs. I didn't force them, Ishmael said. But, of course, the coconut cordial helped. The fermented beverage is so strong that it helps serve as a sort of opiate for the people here. Yep, he's getting them drunk, guys. Leith, Sonny said. An opiate is something that makes people drowsy and inactive, Klaus said. Or even forgetful. Forgetful. The more cordial the islanders drank, Ishmael said, the less they thought about the past or complained about things they were missing. That's why they hardly leave this place, Violet said. They're too drowsy to even think about leaving. Occasionally someone leaves, Ishmael said, and looked down at the incredibly deadly viper, who gave him a brief hiss. 
Sometime, some time ago, two men sailed off with this very snake, and a few years later, the man named Thursday left with a few comrades. So Thursday's alive, Klaus said, just like Kit? Yes, Ishmael admitted. But any suggestion... You know, right? Any, they do. Any suggestion, Miranda told her daughter that that he died in a storm so that she wouldn't worry about the schism that divided her parents. Electra, Sunny said, which meant a family shouldn't be kept keeping terrible, terrible secrets. But Ishmael did not ask for translation. Except for those troublemakers, he said. <clears throat> Everyone has stayed here. And why shouldn't they? Most of the castaways are orphans like me and you. I'm sorry your story, bougies, from all the newspaper articles, police reports, financial newsletters, telegrams, pel- private correspondence, and fortune cookies that have washed up here. You've been wondering this treacherous world since you, your story began, and you've never found a place as safe as this one. Why don't you stay? Give up your can- mechanical invention- inventions and your reading and your cooking. Forget about Count Olaf and VFD. Leave your ribbon and your commonplace book and your whisk in your raft library and lead a simple life on your shoes, on on our shores. What about Kit? Violet asked. In my experience, the Snickets are as much trouble as the bougies, said Ishmael. That's why I suggested you leave her on the coastal shelf so she wouldn't make any trouble for the colony. But if you can be convinced to choose a simpler life, I suppose she can too. The bougies looked around at one another doubtedly. They already knew that Kit wanted to return to the world to make justice, make sure justice was served, and as a volunteer, they should be eager to join her. But Violet, Klaus, and Sunny were not so sure that they could abandon the first safe place they had found, even if it was a little dull. We can't we stay here? Klaus asked, and lead the more lead a more complicated life with the items and the documents and the arboretum. And the spices, Sunny added, and keep them secret from the other islanders, Ishmael said with a frown. That's what we're doing. No, that's what you're doing, Klaus said, pointing out. All day long, you sit in your chair and make sure that the islander island is safe from the detritus of the world. But you sneak off in the arboretum in your perfectly healthy feet and write a commonplace book while snacking on bitter apples. You want everyone to lead a simple life? A simple, safe life? Everyone but yourself. No one should lead the life I live, Ishmael said with a long, sad tug of his beard. I've spent countless years cataloging all of the objects that have washed up on these shores and all the stories and objects that I tell you. I've repaired all the documents that the storms have damaged and the notes of every detail that I've read more of these world's treacherous history than most anyone. And as one of my colleagues said in this history, it is indeed more than, than the register of crimes, follies, and misfortunes of mankind. Gibbon, Sonny said. She meant something like, we want to read this story no matter how miserable it is. Her siblings were quick to translate, but Ishmael tugged at the beard again and shook his head firmly at the children. Don't you see, he asked. I'm not just the island's facilitator. I'm the island's parent. I keep this library far away from the people under the care so that they will never be disturbed by the world's terrible secrets. The facilitator reached into his pocket of his robe and held out a small object. The bougie saw that it was an ordinate ring emblazoned with the initial R and stared at it quite puzzled. Ishmael opened the enormous volume in his lap and turned a few pages to read from his notes. This ring, he said, once belonged to the Duchess of Winnipeg who gave it to her daughter, who is also the Duchess of Winnipeg who gave it to her daughter, and so on and so on. Eventually, the last Duchess of Winnipeg joined VFD and gave it to Kit Snicket's brother. He gave it to your mother for reasons I still don't understand, and then... She gave it back to him, and he gave it to Kit, and Kit gave it to your father, who gave it to your mother, and then when they were, mar- when they were married, she kept it locked in a wooden box so that they could only open it by a w- with a wooden key. 
basket that was kept in a wooden box so that they could only be opened with the code that Kit Snake had learned from her grandfather. The wooden box turned to ash in the fire that destroyed the Baudelaire man- bougie, the bougie mansion, and Captain yeah. Wittershins found a ring in the wreckage only to lose in a storm at sea, which eventually washed onto our shores. <gasps> Nickleoit, Sunny said, which meant, what are you telling us about this ring for? The point of the story isn't the ring, Ishmael said. It's the fact that you've never seen it until this moment. This ring, with its long secret history, was in your home for years, and your parents never mentioned it. Your parents never told you about the Duchess of Winnipeg, or the Captain Widdershins, or Snicket's siblings, or VFD. Your parents never told you that they lived here, or that they were forced to leave, or that any other details of the future, uh, of the unfortunate history, they never told you the whole story. Well, they, they let us read that book, Klaus said, so that we can find out for ourselves. Ishmael shook his head. You don't understand, which is something the middle Baudelaire, the middle, middle bouge never liked to be told. Your parents didn't tell you these things because they warned, they wanted to shelter you, just as the apple tree shelters the items in the arboretum from the island's frequent storms. And just as I shelter the colony from the complicated history of the world, no sensible parent would let their children even read a title with this dreadful, sad chronicle. That looks really cute, Peyton chronicle when they could keep them far away from treachery of this world instead now that you've ended up here don't you want to respect their wishes he closed the book again and stood up gazing at all three baudelaire's in turn just because your parents have died he said quietly doesn't mean that they've the the bougies just because your parents have died doesn't mean they've failed you not if you stay here and lead the life they wanted you to lead violet thought of her mother again bringing the cup of star anna's tea to her on that restless evening evening are you sure this is what our parents would have wanted she asked knowing if not knowing if she could trust his answer if they didn't want to keep you safe he said they would have told you everything so you could add another chapter to this unfortunate story he put the book down reading the chapter and he put the ring on violet's hand you belong here bougies and on this island under my care well i don't think they should be under his care but okay i'll tell the islanders that you've changed your minds and that you're abandoning your troublesome past Will they support you, Violet asked, thinking of Irwan and Finn on their plan to, mute, uh, to mutiny at breakfast. Of course they will, Ishmael said. The life we lead here on the island is better than treachery of the world. Leave the Arboretum, Arboretum with me, children, and you can join us for breakfast. And cordial, Klaus said. No apples, said Sunny. Ishmael gave the children one last nod and led the children through the gap of the roots of the tree, turning off the lights as he wanted, as he went. The bougie stepped out into the arboretum and looked at the one last time the secret sp- in secret space in the dim light they could just they could just make out the shape of an incredibly deadly vi- an incredibly deadly viper who slithered over Ishmael's commonplace books and followed the children in the morning air. The sun filtered through the shade of the enormous apple tree and shone on the gold block letters in the spine of the book. The children wondered whether the letters had been printed by their parents or perhaps perhaps a previous writer of the commonplace book or the writer before that or the writer before that. They wondered how many stories the oddly titled history contained and how many people gazed at the gold lettering before paging through the previous crimes, follies, misfortunes, and adding more of their own like the thin, like the layers of an onion as they walked out of the arboretum led by their clay-footed facilitator. But the Baudelaire orphans wondered about their own fortunate history and of their own parents and of all of the other castaways who had washed upon the shore of the island, adding the chapter upon this series of unfortunate events. Okay. Bye. Bye.